From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. that you've joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought taken from the pen of the great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Today's devotional is entitled, Avoid That Slip. The text is Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 23. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. That is to say, if we follow the ways of wisdom and holiness, we shall be preserved in them. He who travels by daylight along the highway is under some protection. There is a way for every man, namely his own proper calling in life. And if we devoutly walk therein in the fear of God, he will preserve us from evil. We may not travel luxuriously, but we shall walk safely. We may not be able to run like young men, but we shall be able to walk like good men. Our greatest danger lies in ourselves. Our feeble foot is so sadly apt to stumble. Let us ask for more moral strength that our tendency to slip may be overcome. Some stumble because they do not see the stone in the way. Divine grace enables us to perceive sin and so to avoid it. Let us plead this promise and trust in Him who upholds His chosen. Alas, our worst peril is our own carelessness. But against this the Lord Jesus has put us on our guard, saying, Watch and pray. Oh, for grace to walk this day without a single stumble. It is not enough that we do not actually fall. Our cry should be that we may not make the smallest slip with our feet, but may at the last adore Him who is able to keep us from stumbling. Trial brings. We have seen victory. 
18th chapter of Luke's Gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ presented a parable to the end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. If ever there was a time when believers in the Lord Jesus Christ needed to pray, surely it is now. The moral condition of our land, the apparent powerlessness of our churches, cry out for God's people to seek the Lord earnestly for revival. To encourage true Christians in the urgent need to pray, let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer, free of charge, copies of a powerful message by Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest Christian leaders and thinkers this country has ever produced. The title is typical of Edwards' time, a humble attempt to promote explicit agreement and visible union of God's people in extraordinary prayer for the revival of religion and advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth. Don't let the title put you off. This is a message for this hour. In a 20-page booklet form, Edward's sermon calls upon believers to unite in earnest prayer for God to come in reviving power upon His church. The great revivals of history have always come as the result of fervent prayer, sometimes on the part of just a few Christians who were burdened to seek God for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and revival power. That power is still available for those who will seriously seek it. To obtain your free copy of this message, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you wish, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may write to Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615 and ask for Edwards on prayer. The address again is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Ask for the message Edwards on prayer and we'll be happy to send you a free copy.
as part of his extensive series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Cairns is preaching a message entitled, The Spirit of Revival. In spite of God's promise of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to the church, it is a sad fact that God's people, individually and corporately, fail to experience that power and seem to feel that the Lord has withdrawn Himself. Among the causes are failure to confess sin, failure to lament the spiritual dearth, and a lack of experience of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Yet seasons of declension in the church are never beyond the power of the Holy Spirit. The history of the Christian church has been marked by conditions that seemed hopeless, yet God raised up men full of the Holy Ghost, and revival became a reality. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message, The Spirits of Revival. In the Isle of Lewis, they said in the revival that they got more work done, but they got it done in a lot less time because the people were not given to materialism and then adding on the church and its services to that. They were given to the Lord and they just did what they had to do to be good employers or good employees, as the case may be. But they had a love for the, the things of God. Then, of course, there's a love for souls. There's a love for the perishing. There's a melting of the heart. You know, I feel and fear that if there's one thing missing among God's people today, it's a love for souls. We can watch as sinners go to hell, and it never touches our heart. Once the Holy Ghost comes, that changes. I tell you, it's because of a lack of the experience of the Holy Spirit filling our hearts that we can have such an attitude. And of course then there's a fire of boldness. With holiness and love, there will come boldness. In Acts chapter 4, when the uh, people of God were wanting the fullness of the Spirit, what did they pray for? They prayed for boldness. I'm not talking about a brass neck. There are some tactless people who imagine that their impolite uh, attitude and uh, tactics amount to boldness. All they amount to so often is foolhardiness. I'm not talking either about the kind of notion that says to you, well, I have to witness to ten people this week, and therefore by hook or by crook, I'm going to do it. And so, just to rid your conscience of guilt, you get through your little spiel. I'm talking about a people who are so made like Christ in holiness, who are so made like Christ in love, whose hearts are so thrilled with what they have of Christ, and they are so stamped with what they see of eternity, that they have a boldness to speak for Him, and they fear neither man, woman, nor devil in the cause of Jesus Christ. That is always the case when there is an experience of the fullness of the Holy Ghost. But sadly, we have too much of a religion of the head, of the mouth, and of the hand. 
got very little of the heart. A religion that can think its way through the deep conundrums of theological questions. A religion that can profess great things has all the vocabulary but none of the vitality. A religion of the hand that has the mechanical doing but without the heartbeat of a powerful manifestation of the Spirit of God. Isaiah says, there can be no bettering of the situation spiritually until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high. Declension will dominate until we experience the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Thus we can see the cause of the condition of the declension that we find so often in the church of Jesus Christ. But as I look at these texts, thank God there's hope. Because in Micah 2 and 7, I have to note that seasons of declension in the church are never beyond the power of the Spirit of God. The question, is the Spirit of the Lord straightened? The answer implied is no. And then again, do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly? The answer is yes. Now the Spirit of God is not straightened. He's not put in any straight jacket of impotence or idleness. He's not straightened by the devices of the wicked world. He's not straightened by the grip of the devil and the souls of men. He's not straightened because of our position in the program of prophecy. So many people want me to believe because of the lateness of the hour. We can't expect much from God. I think we must be reading a different Bible. He's not, he's not straightened by the fury and the faithlessness of apostates. All the ecumenists and rationalists and otherists that are infesting the church today can never straighten the power and operation of the blessed Spirit of God. He's not straightened by the magnitude of the problem that confronts his church. In fact, the very opposite could be said to be true. In Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19, there is that outstanding and immutable promise. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. Now that's still in my Bible. I believe it. The enemy has come in like a flood. There is a very wicked generation in the world today. The grip of the devil on the souls of men is horrendous and horrific. We are late in the program of prophetic truth. Apostates are on every hand cursing the work of God. The problem is enormous. But... 
and the enemy comes in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. We look with dismay on the current situation. And uh, we have to be honest. It's very difficult to be optimistic about what you see going on in the world and in the church today. It's difficult to be optimistic. But when you go back to Ezekiel 37, now I know this is a prophecy, and it has yet a literal fulfillment, but I believe also it's an outstanding parable that has a continuing fulfillment. In Ezekiel 37, we read, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, note those words. Because it's only in the Spirit that you can see the rest of Ezekiel 37. You look at this with the eyes of the flesh, and you'll come to a different conclusion. But when you're in the Spirit, you'll see this. He set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and he caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Here's the vision of the valley of dry bones, scattered upon the face of the earth. And he said unto me, here's the question, son of man, can these bones live? Let's bring it into different language with the same meaning. Can God send revival? Such a revival as will bring life to scattered, dead, dry bones? Ezekiel was not making any strong responses of faith at this point. He said, O Lord God, thy knowest. Thy knowest. But the Lord said, Prophecy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now what could be more stupid than standing talking to an excavated graveyard with all these dry bones scattered over the place what could be more stupid in the mind of the flesh than to look at those bones and start preaching to them that's not the way you would say to see anything much done but that's God's way and I tell you this my friend these bones can live. And they live first when God gets a man filled with the Holy Ghost. And when a man filled with the Holy Ghost starts doing what the world says is stupid and starts preaching to dead bones, telling them what to do. And by the mighty power of God, they'll do it. When the Spirit of God comes in, as he later does in verse 9, and breathes life into them, 
these slain shall live. So there's nothing could be more discouraging than the situation that Ezekiel presents, but God could send revival. When you think, very often we read history, you know, with rose-tinted spectacles. Everything was great in the past and everything's gruesome today. Well, that's not quite true. Because of when you were, if you were living back in those days, they were saying the very same thing. Well, if you read in the period of England, just before the Great Awakening, under Whitfield and Wesley and others of their movement, Dalimore says in his life of Whitfield that the life of England between 1730 and 1740 was foul with moral corruption and crippled by spiritual decay. Well, you would think that he was writing of our day, wouldn't you? Foul with moral corruption and crippled with spiritual decay. If you study the, that period of English history, you'll find that there were various great marks of sin. There was unfettered uncleanness. This went back to the restoration of Charles II to the throne of England where he brought in with him a mighty reaction against Puritanism and there was unfettered uncleanness running like a polluted stream from the court of the king right through the nation. There was, starting in 1662, political persecution for Christians when in the year of the great ejection Many, many of the greatest ministers England ever had were thrown out of their pulpits and forbidden to preach. Since they couldn't preach, at least uh, in the places that they once preached, it led them to great prayer. And I thoroughly believe that the great awakening in following generations had largely its roots in the praying of persecuted saints. You can't tell me that John Bunyan's 12 years in Bedford jail crying to God were years that God ignored. Prayers that God didn't answer, I couldn't believe that. Revival came as the result of prayer. There was political persecution. There was a deadening deism across the land. The church was gripped with its form of rationalism. These were the people that believed that God had wound up the universe like a, a clockmaker winding up a great clock. And then he just left it to take its way through fate. But he was not involved. They didn't want a religion that touched the heart. They hated a religion that had what they called enthusiasm. Fanaticism. Now, I don't think that fanaticism is good in the Church of Christ. But if anybody were to cry, I love the Lord, to these rascals, he was a fanatic. If anybody were to feel Christ in his heart, he was a fanatic. If anybody were to warn of hell, he was a fanatic. Oh, what a curse, rationalism is in the church of Jesus Christ. We have it today.
You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. Music